uh, in Acts chapter 24, verse 22. Forgive me for not uh, having printed out notes for you. The holidays, I think most of us are probably at the point where we just want to just take a, just let all the air out because we have been running 90 to nothing for the last six weeks or last two months, maybe for the last two years. But anyway, we feel like the holidays are behind us, and so um, I uh, apologize <clears throat> for not having uh, notes for you tonight. Acts chapter 24, verse 22, the Bible says, And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way, he deferred them and said, When Lysias... The chief captain shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. And he commanded a centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty and that should forbid none of his acquaintance to minister or come unto him. And after certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way, for this time, when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, and that he might loose him. Wherefore he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. But after two years, Portius Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. And uh, so, I want to um, spend uh, tonight's lesson, if you want to put a title on it, The Trap of Convenience. And um, the first point comes from those first two verses, 22 and 23, and uh, that's this, is that Felix knew the way, but he postponed justice. He, he knew what the way was, and he even expresses it there. It says that uh, there that, that, that he knew of what these people called uh, the way. He, he knew more about it than what he was really willing uh, to let on to. In fact, whenever you start looking... Uh, at that, the church, there was a small portion of the church that was in Caesarea. If you remember Philip the Evangelist from Acts chapter 8, the Bible tells us that that's where Philip landed and he lived there. And then, so if you know if he was there, there was a remnant of the church that was there. Uh, then there's an awareness that, that even his wife, Drusilla, and we mentioned this last uh, Wednesday night, that she was a Jew. And, uh, and so really, the, the fact is, is that Felix knew more about the church than perhaps what he was letting on to. And I think there probably are people that you run into on a daily basis, and they know more about the church a lot of times than what they let on to. They've got somewhere, most likely, in their background, they've got somebody that uh, was exposed to Pentecost or was exposed to... Uh, the Lord in a particular way, and uh, when you you start uh, talking to them and getting a little more to to know them somewhat, uh, then they start revealing. Well, my grandmother, my aunt, my such and so that they were involved in 
some kind of Pentecostal church and and um, and so a lot of times there are people like Felix in our lives that they, that they know uh, more perfectly, they have more knowledge uh, of things than what they were letting on to. And so whenever Paul comes along and Paul begins to tell him the truth, what does he do with that truth? He postponed Paul's justice. He could have let Paul go. Now obviously... Uh, we mentioned here a couple weeks ago about how that God uses bad men, bad men to do good things. And, and ultimately all of these people. And I would just say even this, it's important for us to go and to vote. I believe that's important for us to do as a, a, civil, a civic matter. Uh, but at the same time, the Bible tells us that, that he sets kings up and he sets them down. Uh, he sets up prime ministers. He takes them down. He sets up ayatollahs. He sets them down. He sets up presidents of Russia, and he takes them down. He sets up popes, and he takes them down. And what we have to understand is even in a smaller area, I believe the Lord has some say in who the mayor of our city is. And, and the Lord is engaged with this, but there's not a part where that we just need to just stop and say we're not going to pray, uh, we're not going to take part and fulfill our uh, responsibilities toward that matter. And so whenever Felix starts in that part, that what he didn't want to do was he didn't want to upset uh, the civic authorities that was, that was in Rome at the time, Claudius had been in. Nero would replace him uh, in that interval there. And he, he didn't want to upset the apple cart there in, in uh, the area of Israel because if he did that, then what would happen is that Rome would send somebody back and they would take him down out of his position and they would set somebody else into that place. We'll get into uh, that a little bit more a little later on. And, um, and so it was that, that Nero uh, at the time had, had become the leader. Claudius kind of on his way out. Nero steps in. And uh, although later on, whenever Nero would call and he would remove Felix uh, from Caesarea and take him to Rome, uh, Felix did have a good relationship with Nero. And if you want to know uh, some of the things about the Caesars, they were not good men. Uh, if you think our politicians are corrupt and, and if you uh, are listening to any of the news and particularly some of the things that's going on with the pandemic and now some of the things that are taking place about the gain of function, about how that uh, the NIH, National Institutes of Health, was taking money, they were supplying it to Wuhan, and now we're starting to find out that that, that was leaked out. And as time goes on, more and more truth's coming on, but yet our... Um, amazing wonder Mr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci, whatever he is. Now they're bringing up video clips to say that he's denying these things that we supplied, they supplied money. And so you start to see the corruption that takes place. And I think probably to a certain degree that all of us here probably look at that and we're like, how can these guys go to D.C.? I don't need to get on this. But how do they go up there and they turn into multi-millionaires while they're there and then it's like the commoners, us poor peons, that we're just funneling the money to them 
So the political corruption that we see is not a new thing. That The church always had to deal with that kind of stuff. And so when you start looking at the Caesars uh, or the Roman emperors, there uh, was certainly things that took place. And yet, here's what God did. You realize that a lot of the missionary advances that, that Paul made was because of Roman roads? That's pretty amazing that they put those roads all over the then known world. And what did Paul do? He took advantage of that and he and the early church, they traveled those roads to those places to uh, advance the gospel. Forgive me, I feel the Holy Ghost right here right now. I just feel the Spirit here. I'm not just saying I hope you're getting what I'm thinking, but the Spirit of the Lord is right here in this room right now. And it's just a Bible study. It's just, just talking about the Word of God and the Spirit's here. And it's an encouragement to us that when we look at these things, not to become despondent or depressed or dejected, but to realize and to know that God is still in charge. That doesn't mean that we're not going to feel pressure. That doesn't mean that we're not going to be concerned and stressed about the direction of our nation, but God is still in charge. He's called me for a purpose. He's called you for a purpose. And He's not nervous about the way things are running. And uh, so, so Nero ends up pulling, and, and you see that there in, in verse 1 of chapter 25. Now when Festus was come into the province, after three days he ascended from Caesarea to Jerusalem. The reason Festus was in charge was because Felix had been removed out of there and had been taken back. Uh, to Rome. It would cost his marriage. He would divorce Drusilla there and uh, he would marry one of the uh, grand uh, daughters of I think Antony and Cleopatra that he would marry uh, her. Uh, but, but again God is still in charge of those things that are presently taking place. And again I, I want to tell you this. God is in charge of the minute details that's taking place even in your life right now. And that boss that you have. And that job that you're working in. And, and family situations that are taking place. Don't, don't be overwhelmed by that. The Lord knows what He is doing. And then there's something else that I want to point out to you. That, that, that Felix, uh, he, he lacked the strength of, of conviction to do the right thing. And uh, he, he, he delayed. He, he delayed doing what was right because he didn't want to get the Jews upset and stirred up. Uh, and he, he, here's what he did. Look there in verse uh, 22. Here's what he says. He said, He deferred them and said, When Lysias, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. Here's what Luke had already told us. Luke told us, he said, Lysias wrote a letter and explained the details, and whenever Felix read that letter, he knew exactly what was taking place. But because that Felix was in the position and in the place that he was at, um, then he, he deferred uh, to that place. And then uh, there's something else that was going on, and that is in verse 26. Look at that, what Luke writes. He said, He hoped also that money should have been given of 
him or given him a pall that he might loose him. And what was he looking for? He was looking for a bribe that was to come from Paul. He really felt like Paul was going to pay him off and let him in. Now, I'm going to not name these politicians, but if you've been around for a little while, you'll kind of pick up on who I'm talking about. Uh, there, there have been over the years a number of our elders uh, that have had some attachments to some of our major league politicians. Um, if you remember a president that come out of Arkansas, uh, working on, I guess, 30 years ago now, uh, it was nothing while he was governor in the 80s that he frequently went to uh, our apostolic camp meetings. He sat on the platform, and he had connections with Brother Lumpkin. Uh, he had connections with Brother Carol Magruder. And uh, I've even heard, I mean, straight from the horse's mouth, not hearsay, but I've heard from people that watched this politician that they saw him, he would sit on the platform and he would weep. But he was, con he was too connected to political ambition. Uh, there are even times where that he would travel in cars and it would just be him and Brother Lumpkin would be in that vehicle. And I'm not telling you something that I heard fourth and fifth hand down the line I heard that from men who were related to Brother Lumpkin and talked about that this man would get in. He got in some trouble when he was the Attorney General, and uh, he went and called Brother Lumpkin and was really uh, very much wanting Brother Lumpkin to pray for him and to help him to get out of that. Uh, our Vice President from our last term, not the one now, uh, but Mike Pence had some very close connections uh, with some prominent uh, apostolic leaders in uh, Indiana to the extent that he would visit them in their offices. And um, you, you, can, you can even realize that, that some of these men that are in high political places, that they know about the message, and they know about the things of God. But when you get hooked in, it is very difficult to turn loose because you start thinking, man, if I, I mean, I'm going to have to go down here with all these, you know, these people that are so different and their lifestyle is so different from what mine, they're just a bunch of poor folks. Just a bunch of folks that's just so radical about what they believe. And, and I'm just going to say that what happened to them is they heard the call of a more convenient season. Look at verse 25 there, that last phrase. Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time, and when I have a convenient season, I, I'm, I'm going to call. I'm going to call for you. I really will. I, I'll, I'll call for you. And I can't tell you how many times on Saturdays, um, I'd say that prior to Sister Patterson's passing, um, I, I don't know, probably close to 
between 15 and 20 years. I would say that 40, probably more, that's a conservative estimate, more than 40 out of 52 Saturdays, Brother Patterson and I, we have ridden thousands of miles in Houston County. And we would go to places. And God forgive me, <laughs> I probably need to be doing it more than what, but Brother Patterson would go and, and always, we, we'd drive for miles and miles and spend hours and beg and plead with people, y'all please come to church, please get your heart right. And, and overall, little fruit we saw out of that. Now God honored the effort. And I got a feeling that if some of those folks were to be able to come back, they would have made radically different decisions. That, that's going to be the witness of the Gospels that the Lord's going to say, I sent men by your house on Saturday hundreds of times, and you didn't respond to the call. And I can't tell you how many times that, I, that I've heard people, and some of them I can still even see their faces now. They, I know Brother Patterson. I, I know Brother Philip. I'm, I'm going to be there. And you think, man, we're going to have a crowd Sunday. And then when you get there, it's... Uh, Faithful few. And uh, the convenience season, the call, come, come back. I, I'll, I'll, when I retire, I, I'm going to have more money and I'm going to have more time. I, I'm going to, you think, man, why are you saying that? Because that's what I'm thinking right now. So when I retire, I'm going to do this or that or the other. I'm, I'm going to play golf. I'm going to get me a boat. I'm going to get me a a woodworking shop, whatever, okay? And in your mind, you're like, I'm, I'm going to... And sometimes you think, man, I, I, when I have more time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, I'm going to... Y'all, listen to me. Your, your life is rolling. It's moving. And you can't wait for a convenient season. There's a man... Uh, sometimes the enemy does this to us. He, he sows seeds of discontentment in our lives. And I remember a man that I took care of in the hospital uh, sometime between 1996 and, and 2002. A very prominent home builder here in Dothan. He's retired now, but his quality of homes... At the time, anybody who was somebody wanted this man building their house. And he got an abscess. And in fact, I think he's passed away. Uh, if he has not passed away, he's well into his 80s now. And I remember we were working on him one time, and, and uh, he come in there, and he just started, you know, what, what, you know, tell me about your family and so on and so forth. And so I started talking to him. You know, I've been married such and so and had these children and all this kind of stuff. And he wanted to know where I live. So I told him where I lived. And he said, listen to me, son. He said, don't you get caught up in what goes on in this place right now. I said, well, what, do you, what do you mean, Mr. Smith? What, Mr. Smith? He said, he said listen to me. He said, I'm just telling you now. He said, I build our houses for them. And he said, we do, he said, we make sure we do grade A quality work. He said, but I'm just going to tell you this. He said, in that little old house that you're in, 1,800 square feet, he said, there's more peace in that home 
than you even realize. And he said, don't dare get caught up in the fact of thinking that more square footage and more carpet and more garage and more cars and bigger things is going to bring what you're looking for. He said, your relationship with the Lord. And this man was in a, in a church here in, in Dothan, very involved in that place. And, um, and he just taught, and I never have forgot, he described a scene for me. I won't go into the details of it, uh, but he described it for me there. And, and I thought to myself, I, I'm thankful for what I've got. And sometimes the struggles that you go through and the challenges and the battles and you get discouraged and you're despairing and you're, you're, you're like, oh man, just, but I'm just going to tell you this. It's out of that adversity that God uses that. You remember a story Brother Patterson told. This happened back in the 70s. Another prominent person, uh, very well healed financially, told Brother Patterson, I, I want what you've got. And Brother Patterson said, listen, all, all you got to do is just kneel down and just give in to the Lord. I, no, that, that's, not, that's not what I'm looking for. And Brother Patterson said, but that is what you're looking for. Don't let the enemy sow seeds of discontentment in your life and cause you to pursue like, man, if I can just get to this place, if I can, because here's what's happening. The enemy's burning the clock. He's making us think, just like he did to Felix, get you to a more convenient season. Get you to a place where you think, man, I'll have more time. I have a change of mind. And what happens is, is as time goes on, you can't go back to where it used to be. And so let's talk about what, what do those people look like that, that are called out. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. <coughs> and I want you to look in verse 26. You ought to underline this in your Bible. This is so profound. Here is what the apostle says. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26. For ye see your calling, brethren how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are why? That no flesh should glory in His presence. He's chosen the simple things. He's chosen the base things. He, he's picked up people from here and there and He's put them into His kingdom. And then He's equipped them to do the will of God so that when you turn around and you say, and I told Brother David good when I met Brother David this morning for breakfast. And I just told Brother David, I said, Brother David, just listen to me. You're not going to build that church any more than Brother Patterson or I am building the church here in Dothan. This is God's church. God builds His church. I said, don't get caught up in looking at, 
at how many number, at how many people such and so church has, or, or or look at their building and say, oh man, just know this: if you're faithful and you give yourself to the cause, what what did he say? He said, you know what? In fact, I think it's right there. Look look there in uh, chapter one in First Corinthians, and and look there. Um, that's not it, but the place when some says, I'm a Paul of Apollos and Cephas and I of Christ. But there was another place where that, that Paul said it like this. He said, you know what? He said, somebody come along and watered. Somebody come along and planted. Somebody else come along and watered. Somebody else come along and cultivated. Somebody else came along and put these things together. Hayden, this is for you. Don't, don't, don't let the rock stars at TBC don't 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 let them phase you. You 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 stay in the prayer room. You study. You give yourself to what you're supposed to be doing. And 30 years from now, you'll be shocked. You'll turn around. You think, oh, where where's where's such and so? Where where are they at? And you think. I know maybe you hadn't thought this, but I can remember thinking, like, Lord, I don't have the gifts that so-and-so has. I don't have the talents. I can't sing. I can't do this or do the other. But oh, the desire. God doesn't look for talent. Okay? Because if talent was what it took to build the kingdom of God, it would have already been accomplished. And talent doesn't do it, but desire and anointing and spiritual hunger. And so I told Brother David this morning, I said, listen, Brother David, I said, just be faithful. Make sure you love your wife, love your kids, and let the Lord build that church. That doesn't give us a cause to be lazy, but I'm just telling you now that the Lord builds His church. The second thing I want to bring out is in verse 24, 25. Let's go back to Acts 24. And look at what Luke writes. Here's, here's what he says. He said, And after certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way, for this time when I have a convenient season, I, I'll call for you. Um. I have a feeling that Drusilla was probably one of the motivating factors for Felix getting Paul in there to, to talk to him. Because his wife was a Jewess. She knew the things that he was talking about. And so, so whenever Paul comes along, he was clear that, that faith is going to have a focus on some things. And Luke tells us, here, here's, he tells us, he says, uh, I want you to understand this, that he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. So let's, let's talk about what our faith involves. First of all, it involves righteousness. Turn over uh, with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and look at verse 34. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 34. Here's what... Uh, Paul says, he says, Awake to righteousness and sin not, 
For some have not the knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. Now he's he's kind of he's being pretty tough on the church there at Corinth, but but what what is he saying? Awake to righteousness and sin not. I um I got sick. I managed to fend it off. I thought, man, I'm gonna get it. everybody got it. Nate and Tav, Nate ended up getting IV treatment because we got nurses in our family and they helped him and all this and they got Zofran and Finnegan and they were all near death's door and I was like I don't want to be around y'all I don't want what you have but but yesterday morning at 4.30 in the morning I'm like woke up and it was not a good waking up and I was sick oh I was so sick and uh, from about 4.30 until about 8.30, I was not well. And, uh, but here's a good part of the day, is that uh, on my YouTube, I did, YouTube's got some dancing cats, but it's also got some other good stuff too. And a sermon, some sermons started popping up in my feed, and two of them uh, was Brother Larry Booker. And so yesterday... I spent most of the day with Brother Booker and Brother Larry Booker, two, three messages that he had, and then two by his son, Brother Joel Booker. And, um, and then today I was around here working, and um, I listened to two of Brother Joel Booker's messages. They, they were about holiness. And I was so encouraged just listening to somebody else say some of the things that I say to you sometimes. And while I was listening to those, and those are good, clean men, that whenever this scripture comes to mind, awake to righteousness, there are things we can do to cause us to awaken to righteousness. That, that wake up to my need for prayer. Wake up to my need for reading scripture. Wake up to my need to pursuit of the kingdom of God. Now turn over a few pages uh, to Philippians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter 1 and look there in verse 11. Here's what uh, Paul writes to the church at Philippi. He said, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. And then turn over a few pages to the epistle of uh, Titus. And uh, Titus chapter 2 and verses 12 and 13. These are some great scriptures as well. Titus chapter 2 verse 12. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. L listen, church, there is a purifying hope. And, and we'll get into something here in, in just a second. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You see that as a promise. That the, here's what the Lord said in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, see, you, you, you'll be filled. 
Now, now here, here's the thing, okay? It's not all just going to come to you instantly. It's going to be a lifelong pursuit. And so what does a lifelong pursuit look like? A marked up Bible, uh, probably some knees. I don't know that they're going to be callous, but they're going to know what it's like to kneel down and, and to pray. Th- those are things, that's what righteousness looks like. But he also mentioned this matter of temperance. And so he comes along and he talks to, talks to Felix and Drusilla about temperance, about self-control. And they lack that. Felix, Festus, Agrippa, Herod, these guys lacked because their lives were full of indulgence and extravagance, wealth, materialism, possessions, selfishness, pride, greed, covetousness, uh, lust, urges, sensuality, fleshiness, all of those things there. Uh, Bill O'Reilly has wrote has written a number of books. Him and a fellow named Martin Dugard, I think, and uh, they they wrote books: Killing Lincoln, uh, Killing Patton, um, Killing Jesus. That's one I was going to get to. If you have not read that book about killing Jesus, he starts out and he starts describing Herod, and by the time that Jesus comes along and is, is condemned to death. Uh, Herod's life is so full of debauchery and, and uh, all sorts of things that it's pretty amazing that whenever Bill O'Reilly starts talking about what Herod looked like physically because of all of the stuff he had been into, it was pretty, it was pretty, it was pretty amazing. And so we, we live in a world, and I'm, I'm just going to tell you, we are exposed to all sorts of things. And so, so how do you walk uprightly in a world where there is temperance or self-control that's needed? Some of the answer to that is found in Romans chapter 6 and verse 12. Here's what, and this, this whole chapter really speaks to that matter, but, but look at Romans chapter 6 and verse 12. He says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And so what happens whenever we all find ourselves in places and exposed to things and people and situations? Um, it's, it's the condition of the heart is that I have to battle against that. John Owen, one of the old Puritans, said it like this, be killing sin or it will be killing you. And that's a pretty good statement. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. And there's things that you have to fight and you have to battle against. And there are seasons of life. Things that challenge you in your young years, 
they won't be a challenge in your midlife. Things that you're battling in midlife will not be a challenge in your elderly years. Seasons of life change and there are new fronts and new assaults and new challenges that comes to us and yet the Spirit and the Word of God helps us to battle against those things. Look at Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 17. Proverbs 21 and 17. Here's what the Bible says. It says, He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man, and he that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. And so the challenge that comes to us uh, is, is an understanding that, um, that Felix, for all his pursuits, and Herod, for all his pursuits, they loved pleasure and they ended up in their late years being uh, very much poor people. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 2. Uh, here's what the Bible says. And put a knife to thy throat if thou be a man given to appetite. Now, I've told Brother Chad this before. I think Brother Chad and Sister Brenda are traveling. Um, this is a funny story, and I don't think we were in the day. I don't know how long they've been married, but they've been married for a little while. That I don't think people's taking pictures with smartphones, so you won't know who was sitting beside me. But they're, they're uh, I guess, the uh, what do you call it, the wedding rehearsal. That Brother Chad was responsible for the meal. And so they all loaded us all up and took us to the... Uh, to the uh, Olive Garden, and uh, there was a fella sitting next to me, and uh, we got all the the menus out and started looking, and I knew Brother Chad was paying for it, and this doesn't make me a saint, okay? But when somebody else is paying for it, I I don't I try to was that brother? No, I don't do that. There's a guy sitting next to me, and, and he said, uh, "He said, what are you going to get? And I, I did. I honestly, I'm looking for kind of the cheaper things on the menu because at the time, I don't remember where Brother Chad was working, but he probably didn't have a whole lot of money. I don't know. Maybe his mom and daddy was paying for it, or maybe his future father-in-law was paying for it. Y'all know Brother Mullen got enough money to burn a wet dog in a hurricane. <laughs> now, now, the reason that I know that is because that's one thing that Brother... I heard Brother Mullen tell somebody one time, he said, you got enough money to burn a wet dog in a hurricane. And so, um, anyways, so I don't know who was paying for it, but the fella next, sitting next to me, he, he said, man, he said, I'm going to get me, and they served steaks at the Olive Garden. And he, he got the biggest steak. I said, man, don't do that to Brother Chad. And I use this scripture. I said, you know what the Proverbs say? You need to put a knife to your throat if you're a man given appetite. Don't order the biggest thing on the menu if somebody else is paying for it. Okay, but if you don't have self-control and you don't have temperance in your life, then that's what you'll do. And uh, that's always just kind of stuck with me. I shouldn't have told that story, but it, was a, it worked. The third thing that, that Paul talked about to Felix and Drusilla about. Look to Acts 24 and um, 
here's what um, the third thing that he says. He talks about the judgment to come. It's doubtful uh, that Felix had ever even given that a thought. He, he was an unjust judge, and um, he probably was hearing that for the very first time that he was going to have to answer uh, for his things that was going on in his life. Uh, li- listen to me, church. I think probably all of us here have have been in situations where that we wanted, we felt like, man, I shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have been involved in that, shouldn't have, whatever. I think probably all of us are honest with ourselves. We, we have to say that we've been there. What, what's the difference? What, what's the difference between a person that's in that condition versus somebody who is oblivious to that? Is that I believe that the Spirit and the Word convicts me, it convicts you. And so what do you do? Is it puts you into a place, Lord, please, you, you've got to get this out of my life. You've got to help me. And I do believe that, that when we confess our sins, 1 John chapter 1, when we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And yet, we all have to know, church, that there's coming a day that, that there's going to be an account that's going to be given. Look at Matthew chapter 25, and I want you to notice verse 31. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31. The Bible says there, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. And before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And uh, look at Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, the Bible says there, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Now here's a hope in the next verse. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Turn over a few pages to 2 Peter uh, chapter 2. Hebrews, James, 1 Peter, then 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. Here's what the Bible says. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. The Bible says there, But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day 
is with the Lord is a thousand years and one and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but his long suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There's the part. The sobering part is, is that you answer. The good part is, is that the Lord lingers and waits and gives opportunity for repentance. That's why that every service matters. Every time we walk in here, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Friday night power supply, Saturday night prayer time, every time the doors are open to this church, it matters. It's important. Wow, I got five minutes and I'm, I need to hurry. Uh, one more scripture. Turn over a few pages to Jude and look at Jude 14. The Bible says there, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and all of their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And uh, here recently I was in a place where with a not church folks and somebody said, Jesus Christ. And man, the older I get, it just, oh, it just grieves me to hear people use that and to say that. When I was younger, I heard people say it. I don't know that it struck me, but as I've gotten older, it strikes me now when somebody says that and Here's what Jude says. It says, Their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. And so what does what, what was Felix's reaction? Acts 24, go back there. Here's what Luke writes. Luke said that whenever, whenever Felix heard those words, especially that third matter when he started reminding him of the judgment that was to take place, here's what the Bible says, that Felix trembled. He was terrified. He was frightened because he was living a life that was the exact opposite of what Paul had told him. And uh, you gotta, you got to know that here tonight, that you can't keep waiting. That was Felix's mistake. Not now, maybe later. Festus is coming up. Festus jumps up. Whenever Paul starts talking to him, said Paul said, much learning has made you mad. And what was he? he? I don't want what you got at all. And then he'll talk to Agrippa in the next chapter. And here's what Agrippa says, Almost thou persuadest me. And so Felix's mistake was, uh, not now, maybe later. Festus, his mistake, not at all. And Agrippa's, his mistake was this, almost. And every person that entertains a gospel that does not respond in a positive way, they're going to fall into those categories and making one of those three fatal mistakes. And so, um, 
Let's finish with this. Too, too many know the facts about the Lord, but they neglect the matter of repentance. And I want to finish with these three scriptures. Turn, turn back to Acts chapter 3. And I want you to look in verse 19. Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. Here's what Luke writes. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Turn over a few pages to chapter 8. Chapter 8 and verse 22. Here's what the Bible says. Repent. Therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. And then one more place is in Acts 17 and verse 30. And here's what Paul says, or here's what Luke writes. And at the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. And I'm just going to say this, repentance is more than me coming and crying and having a heart of... you. you under, and I think there's something positive that happens with that. A broken and contrite spirit, the Lord responds to that. But I also believe that repentance is turning around and moving away from that part. And that is a challenge for the folks in our, in our day. And uh, I didn't finish it up, but we'll get to it in February. And uh, I'm looking forward to 2023. I, I want you in the next few days, maybe just sit down and just write some things out that you want to do in 2023. And you say, well, I don't like resolutions. Know this, if you don't aim at anything, you're not going to hit it. But if you write some things down and say, well, you know, I didn't finish up reading through my Bible this year. I didn't do this or that or the other. If you write some things down and you get some goals out in front of you, you're more prone to accomplish those things than if you just keep rambling through life. If you're trying to lose weight, you probably ought to get on the scales every morning. <laughs> Well, that went over without, I didn't feel much of a revival with that, so let's all stand and go home. <laughs> but you, you, you know what I'm saying? If you get on the scales every day and you look like, man, or you're like, man, I'm, I'm getting there. And, and, the, and it's the same way. If you look at some spiritual things you want to accomplish in your life, the Lord can, can help you to do that. Let, let's talk to the Lord. Lord, I'm thankful for your goodness. Lord, I'm thankful for the spirit that was here, Lord, here tonight. And I, I know, Lord, that there's things, God, that you want to do in every one of our lives. Help us, God, somehow, Lord, to turn our backs to the world and help us, Lord, to look toward the cross. I pray, Lord, that somehow, God, tonight, that, that, that not only, Lord, with our faithfulness, God, but with commitment, we know, Lord, that you build a church and yet at the same time, Lord, you need us to be witnesses. I pray, God, to not keep your hand. Lord, there's still some, God, that are traveling. Lord, for the holidays, keep your hand on them. Preserve them. Be with them and help all of us to do your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. Uh, thank you for coming to church tonight.